It's the Overtime Podcast, along with Matt Harrington and Brandon Spratt, producer Glenn Gray. I'm Pete Wagner, and we are back after a bit of a hiatus. I think, boys, we are trying to figure out a little bit about what the hell we're trying to do, like with this <laughs> bubble hockey show thing we've got. Yeah. I mean, is that thing kind of like all-consuming? It is. I mean, there's. I don't think people who watch it realize how much goes into it in terms of show elements and putting everything together. It's uh, a lot of work in a short amount of time that has to get done. So I guess the the OT pod is kind of taking a back seat. So to it say. has, but it's no longer. No longer. This We're thing back. will be every. We, we've got our rhythm down. Glenn is back behind there. Um, you know, he's got a microphone too. Do we do we bring him in? If he wants to, he's always hey, always you're there. there. You want me? Oh, there he is. See, I mean, so I mean, it was almost sounding like he was the imaginary friend behind the uh, <laughs> the deal, but he's actually there. So, uh, you know what? He he literally before we started this segment, we were going through some uh, in-house shop talk and you know assigning some broadcasts and those types of things, and he just patiently sits there and says, "When are these assholes going to get going?" You know, so. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it. I, I could feel they're just riveting. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, but the, the bubble hockey show has been absolutely fantastic. Our Carol Evans stuff I've been very happy with. Our our games of the week will double our output from Hockey Night in Minnesota last year. We're doubling it up this year, folks, and that's because of all of you for listening to it. So thank you for doing that. We appreciate uh, everybody that's engaged with the broadcast at the Carol Evan team as well as our team. And I think what we're proving is that uh, the automation seems to be working pretty well. I'd agree. Good, uh, I mean, good views. Obviously, smooth panning. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see how the viewers feel about it. Why? But... Why? <laughs> well, I, no, Why I mean, do that? I think for most games, it works fantastic. I'm a big fan. If, if it doesn't have auto follow 2.0, it might be a little dusty. Um, let's just get that out there, but. <laughs> Uh, it's in most cameras. There are some D lines, which are just the single ones, just so you guys, you know, you see the ones with the two. Those are S lines. Those can automatically be upgraded to 2.0. If it's an older D line, it can't get it, so we got to swap those out. Of course, you learn about that as an oh, by the way. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> we know, we'll sell you these cameras, and uh, <laughs> you'll you'll have them forever. Everything's done through the cloud. Okay, great. Done. Buy them. Then we install them. That's like oh yeah. Um, Different they model. Don't, they don't work for that one because it's in 1080 and these are 4K. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> but it is 4K and it's obvious. So uh, you guys went up to um, War Road. We're going to get into that in a bit. We're going to hear from Sean Goldsworthy as he's going to talk about his game with Edina. That was a really good interview. Uh, his team played about as perfect as they could in the 4 nothing shutout over the Hornets. And then um, later on in the show, we're going to hear from Lauren Nelson from Legacy.Hockey, as he's the official voice of, or uh, the official website, rather. We're the official voice of the Minnesota High School Boys Coaches Association, as he is for the print side and web uh, as well, from stats, scoring, and all of that. And then later on in the show, it's going to be Greg Zanin, uh, a really great-reaching podcast discussion. I'm doing a uh, pony podcast with him, and I put that on there. Uh, just because it's just great content, and we covered so many different things. And you, you, you can hear from guys like that their professionalism mm -hmm. and their approach and their blend between what matters and what doesn't matter in terms of getting these teams to where they need to go. And uh, it, it's, it's a good – I think you'll like it. We'll say that. Okay, now let's get to the matter at hand. <laughs> How was your roadie? 
Oh, I mean, it was tremendous. I mean, where do we begin, really? We had so much stuff. What, when did you leave? We left Friday pretty early. I think I picked Brandon up at 7.30. It was about, the game it was, was to be played on Saturday. Saturday. Yep. 5 p.m. 5 yep. p.m. Okay. Uh, I picked Brandon up bright and early, which I don't know how much of a fan he was. Well, you know, I was expecting choice. I was expecting him to say about 9 a.m. He comes back with 7.30. It turned out to work out pretty Surprising w- coming from me. I, I know, I'm I know Mr. I need my sleep. It, 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 it worked, out, worked out very well. We got up to War Road, what was it, about 2.30, I think. Had a chance to check into our hotel. Uh, decompress, if you will, for a good 90 minutes before heading over to the Gardens Arena for the first time. By the way, we were about three, four blocks uh, from from the arena. It was just, uh, you know, it, we could have walked. You if guys we don't to. know what I did. What's that? What's, I planted a bug in your car. Like I've got all of your audio. Yeah, yeah, whatever. you wish. Whatever. <laughs> oh, I would love to have done that. that been absolutely great. There would have been yeah, some Wags good stuff in there. Yeah, Wags is a pain of the earth. <laughs> no, no. That guy. There was no, no, no trash talking. Um, well, it could be. I don't care. Just, <laughs> I mean, I know it's what happens. You know, like if you're in charge of something, you're an idiot. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, go! Why did you do that? He's so dumb. He just doesn't get it." You know, I mean. If, if you're in charge of something and you can't take that, then don't be in Get charge. Get out of the kitchen. Yep. It's yep. just part of whatever. Uh, but anyway, so but I would love to have heard what you guys were talking about. Um, well, I th- we were talking to you for a good chunk I of know. time. I know. Think I, I think I got you through probably an hour and a half at yeah. one stretch. I think and I did. think it was no, a bad stretch, here too. Was, no, no, no. Here, I'll paint you the picture. Here's me holding Matt's. I mean, look how <laughs> no. big this phone is. You know, I, know. I was getting my workout The wrist was like, hand. yeah, you needed the holding wrist the phone, brace. Yeah. Yeah. So that we could call in. I know. Crazy. Hey, I like it. I, I do. I, I do it, like it. It pulls size. my pants down, so I can't do that. So, <laughs> Get a belt. No, I do. It cinched. <laughs> um, so, so you guys get there. But the whole idea was for the bubble show. We're gonna have some good stuff coming up because you've got two features that you worked on, and so you're able to get in, get settled in, and then you you had to quickly get over to the rink because you know we go through the St. Cloud State player spotlight on the bubble, and we go okay. Who's it going to be? We kind of talk to coaches, and we're looking for different stories, players that make an impact. So, like last week, we had two groups, girls from Andover, boys from Wyzetta, who were having an impact on the community with fundraising and doing different things and awareness. And then uh, we came, happened upon we were gonna we were gonna just go to the leads league's top leading girls scorer mm-hmm. in um, War Road, and then Brandon's like. Or I don't know if it was you, Matt. When it you was get, Brandon, yeah. All the top three are there, and they're on a line. So let's go. And so then you guys got a hold of Izzy Marvin, and next thing you know, you're 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 doing a story with them before the start of their practice or their game. Yeah, yeah. You know, we actually we were hoping to get it done the week before when they made the trip down to Braemar. Unfortunately, timing just didn't work out with their pregame warm up and stuff. And we said, well, we've done so many pieces from Braemar, we're going to go all the way to War Road to get this piece filmed. <laughs> What's our backdrop? Braemar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, no, exactly. So. But no, it just it just totally was random that it happened that we were going to be in town and to get to do the piece. And I think it was really beneficial not only to get that piece, we were able to kind of feel out the arena and, and you know, okay, is our Wi-Fi going to work? Where are we going to call the game from? And I think it really just gave us a jump on Saturday that we're not, you know, panicky when we get to the arena three hours before. But it was a great Friday night. Uh, I will have to say, I don't know, you know, some of the best concessions in the state I, I believe up there at the War Road Gardens, the taco in a bag was unbelievable. He was all over. Okay, the taco so we've all had a ton of those. Yeah, this was better. It was. You Why know, was it the meat? It was the meat, and I, I told the uh, concession worker. He kind of looked at me funny when I said this, but <laughs> oh, no. I said, "You just took that taco meat out of a crock pot. I know it's going to be good." 
And I tell you, this thing was absolutely filled the first night. You got your lettuce, your filled sour cream, your cheese. Un- unbelievable. Were you full? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were they Doritos? They were Doritos. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I'm I'm on the glass. So, so I'm, you were I'm shooting. Here's the only problem. I got my taco in a bag on the floor. Here's the only problem with the T and the B, okay, is that when you go get it, if, when you start digging in, you get the sour cream that gets on your finger. Did, you <laughs> yeah. ever, did that happen? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. A lot of napkins. But yeah. that's, well, so so the food was good. The food was good. Okay, that, what were your initial impressions of the gardens? Well, when you walk in there, it's like, wow, I cannot believe a high school team plays in this rink. Because Brandon and I were talking, we thought, you know, for a lot of like these low D1 colleges, like a rink like that absolutely could work. You pack the house full every night. I mean, just an incredible environment. One thing Brandon brought up, and I noticed too, is it's so professional that even, you know, when you're at the wild game, you're at the XL, you got the radio feed coming in, where you're in the bathroom. In Waro, they've got the PA feed that comes directly into the bathroom. And the so lobby you never area. miss you never miss a scoring play. So you know what happens? It's, it's, They're pumping the music. It's the like PA. the X. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, I I don't think people really know until they really go. Yep, hundred you know, percent. And, and it, it, you can kind of get it, but you really got to get it for sure. And then it all kind of comes together, doesn't it? Yeah. I think Matt, you told one of our coworkers that you said Northern hockey. Now I know what it's about for sure. You know, I mean, you, you know, the Iron Range is a full different experience, which is very much like that. Um, I, I really want you guys to experience uh, Hibbing. It's, I would love to go. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, IRA Civic Center is is its own animal. It's amazing. Um, it's it's incredible. There's a there's a big time feel to what's going on in there. Um, they I don't think the the PA is pumped into the into the cans or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, I will say that um, uh, uh, Iron Trail Motors is new, and so that's a, a, a kind of a almost I want to say heritage feeling thing. But I mean. All of those are unique in their own right. But then when you go to the gardens, it's a different story. And so then you guys you guys get your story. Um, did you learn anything from those three players and the coach that maybe you could share without giving away the story? I just think you realized uh, the talent that's on the line. And, I mean, Brandon got so many good – he was down there shooting B-roll. Mm-hmm. He got so many good pieces of them. And there's actually one clip that's perfect where they – Score and one, two, three, all of them come selling. Then, the then there's a little pause so you can wait, and then comes the rest of the, the line. So. so you guys were giddy about the B that you yes. got for this thing. So I was very solid. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is the piece completed? It, it, just about. I just have don't the finishing show it touches. To I won't. I don't want to see it. I, I still got to get the uh, our other piece. Are, are you which working we'll get to make yours look better than mine? You are, aren't you? <laughs> well, no, I just got to throw a few things. It's a competitive thing, isn't it? <laughs> I like there's it. There's no competition. All right. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> okay. So then, um, so that was Friday night because they played, and yep, so you're yep. able to capture those things. You're able to scout out the the shooting deal. You know, the one thing about streaming that you two are probably getting a good grasp of. It may feel weird that we're saying, you know, the justification to go up early was to get the story, right? right, Mm -hmm. Which is great, but it it really does make a lot of sense. If you have not shot and streamed at a place before, and you know, you guys had the luxury of a game night, so you don't know what kind of radio media are going to be there, you don't know what kind of photographers are going to be there, what the team video looks like. 
when you don't really know what you're plugging into, what that internet does, you don't might you know you can bring all the solutions you want. You just have to have time, and so in doing so, that was very pro, and good work. Thank and you. Uh, you guys got the incredible perch. Uh, Todd Grover came up uh, the next day, and the next day you guys did the the really. I guess you were on uh, what was that thing you called that you're on? The perch. The perch. The platform that that hangs from the side of the press box. No, no, I, I've moved on to your next story. Oh, Sorry. oh, oh. We're uh, on the, the War Road River. That's right. The frozen War Road River. Yeah, you're on the you're on the frozen War Road River, but you're being driven around. That's right. Yeah, we were in. I don't know if you'd call it a gator. I That's bl- what you're calling gator. It. Yeah, I've heard people call it that, but anyway, I think it was a Polaris from you know nearby Roseau, Minnesota. Did he open it? So Look at that. And the windows were from Marvin, <laughs> Marvin of course. from nearby War Road. Literally right across uh, from our yeah, hotel, exactly. yeah. No, but so so you guys are on some sort of Polaris product. Yep. Uh, did he ever open it up on you, or did you guys just kind of go chill? Um, No, so we uh, we got to go. He let us out and do a little skating, which you'll see in the piece. But we got to learn more about the path and, and how the community kind of comes together to use it. And the, the volunteers was, was a big thing, donations. Uh, a big part of it, but no, I think this is going to be a really solid piece. Brandon got a great angle on the camera of kind of a ride-along view, which is going to be uh, most of the footage, but um, no, I think it's really good, and I'm not sure how long the piece is going to be, but I'm going to give it as much time as it needs. How's that? We, we've we got as much time as we need. That's <laughs> wonderful. Well, that's super cool. So then you guys were able to really get engulfed into the culture and really feel what War Road is about, and then that's one component. And then there's War Road Hockey, mm-hmm. which is another component. But is it really two, or is it one component from your takeaway? Ooh, gosh, that's a really good question. Um, it's just so, so much of everything we were there kind of revolved around the hockey, too. I mean, from, you know, there's obviously a youth tournament in town. So when when there wasn't a high school game going on, there was, I, I forget the levels, but there was a couple different levels of, of tournament there. So a lot of people from out of town we actually met some people along the skate path who were from Laverne who said they made their way up for the game, and we didn't go too much further than that, but I did see them at, at the rink. Um, and, and even our, our friend Craig so Kennedy that took us You're on, saying they traveled from Laverne to War Road to watch the, that that's game. That's what they said. And then they were skating on the path. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a hike. I mean, can you find a state in this union where on a Friday – Someone would drive for a Friday Night Lights game somewhere? Mm-mm. Probably not. Probably not. Or for a big Saturday afternoon basketball game in Indiana. Maybe. But um, it's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Pretty special. That's yeah. really, really cool. So the game didn't disappoint. You guys did a great job in the production. Um, then you guys uh, headed off to Winnipeg. <laughs> the Peg. <laughs> that's right. The Tobe, Manitoba. How was that rink? It looks it looks a little less impressive than like what the X would, which is many years older. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very nice rink. I mean, I'd like to get Brandon's thoughts, but overall, I thought, you know, it's a little bit smaller. I think yep. it holds a little bit under seventeen thousand, which is a little smaller. But I enjoyed it. The concourse was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, good environment. I enjoyed it. Thought People it was very were friendly. Solid. Very friendly. solid. Yep. Yeah, I, I would say too, like, I, I haven't looked into this, so admittedly I don't know, but I'd be willing to guess Winnipeg's probably one of the smaller markets in the entire NHL. So be. the little yeah. smaller building probably fits for them. I mean, Does. Winnipeg proper is a little bit under a million, and there aren't a lot of ton of 
traditional suburbs like you'd see in the Twin Cities. So it's a much smaller metro area than Minneapolis, St. Paul. I think that maybe leans into that a bit. But yeah, the fans were definitely engaged. Uh, there was one particular Jets super fan over our shoulder who was uh, who was talking through all the players. He knew their scouting reports and and all that. It was talking like he was their buddy. Yeah. Well, like, not he wasn't talking not, to us. He no, was talking no, to someone but, else. I mean, but, but yeah, but talking loud enough for the whole section to hear. That's right. Probably not the whole section. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, there's I, I always call, that's awesome because you guys are picking up tidbits, but there's always the know-it-all that has to let you know everything behind you over your ear. And so, so, so then you'll, you'll so t- it's part of the culture of, of the rank, right? For sure, it is a hundred percent. But there's always one that that kind of owns the section. So when you guys, um, I will say too, I'll I'll add to this. I mentioned this to Matt when we were at the game. Obviously, you get they're playing the Coyotes, so it's a dual national anthem game. So I was singing relatively quietly to the Star Spangled Banner, mouthing it. I could feel I could feel some eyes in the section of like, well, what's this guy doing? Why is, the, why is he singing that, yeah. that jerk? Yeah, it's so. screw, yeah, because they hate us, don't they? <laughs> and well, I mean, in hockey. Well, I mean, if if you go if you go in the battle of the anthems, and then you go in the pro wrestling thing when they go back and forth, I mean, you would think we were in the, a major war. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Okay, so then you guys uh, head back, and you know, the question I had for you as you're driving back was: was it weird to assimilate back into society? It's totally different pace. Oh, it is. Like for I sure. mean, noticeable. Yeah. So then, what was it like going to games to do down here? Did that was it sort of a uh, a disappointment? Honestly, I ask that fairly. It, it's different for sure. I mean, the, the hustle and bustle of the city. Everyone, you know, has got things going on, and maybe you know people in the rink, maybe you don't. But I gotta say, I mean, we were in War Road, thirty six hours, right, or something like that. When I was in the arena lobby, I got stopped by a few people. Like uh, the the person at the souvenir stand was like. Oh, I heard you were uh, out on the skate path earlier today. You know, word does travel fast Very quickly. in the small town for sure. And uh, actually, the second day when I went back for my second taco in a bag, uh, I two, returned. Two, I did. Oh. <laughs> What's I retur- a second as good as the first? Well, it wasn't quite as full, but it was still very good. Uh, but I overheard the people behind me. You know, what are we going to get today? And I, you know, I was feeling. I was like, hey, get the taco in a bag. It's good. You got the toppings. It, it, it. I mean, it's a little cheesy, I, I know, but it kind of felt like being in a Hallmark movie up there, honestly. No, no. You know what? Understood. I, I, I totally catch, catch your drift. Matt, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, 100%. I mean, everybody was just so friendly and welcoming. And, you know, this one older gentleman stopped us as we were leaving on Saturday. And he's like, so did it live up to every uh, all of your expectations? And mm. we're like, yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. Everybody's been great. I, I think the the... Uh, one story that I was telling you, Pete, on the phone, we were on the phone, and um, we are in this guy's office, I think the oh rink manager, gosh. and I had just stepped into his office because the door was open, lights were off, just to get a little quiet, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in your office, because he came in, and he's like, oh, no, you're fine, and turned the light on for us, shut the door, I mean, I was like... Would that happen the in the cities? They'd say, I don't get know. the hell out of my yeah, office. Exactly. The so. staff in the arena was was absolutely phenomenal, first class. Uh, Jude, the arena manager, really, really helped us out all awesome. weekend, getting us set up with the Wi-Fi. And, yeah, I mean. We'll be back up next year. You know, Coach, Coach Pat Andrews and, and the visiting Hermantown Hawks, they were gracious with their time, as well as uh, coaches Jay Hardwick and Dave Izzy Marvin. So everyone Fantastic. was just was wonderful. You know, we may need to flex in one more girls game, you know. Yeah. Are you thinking of a, a second War Road trip? Would you guys go back? Absolutely. 100%. This year? I would. All right. 
Pete's there's doing a, a little there's research. There's a tiny game against the Andover Huskies next Friday night. That's what I'm oh. talking about. <laughs> wow. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know. We'll have to see because I'm going to be in Tampa. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Elite Prospect Cup Series, which is going on. By the way, we're uh, expanding to Michigan now. Wow. How about that? We've done a deal with Michigan Amateur Hockey Association, Tier 1, 2, and 3. That means 18 new little Caesars in CompuWare going at it. CompuWare. All of it. Uh, state bait. tournaments, 400 games appearing on wow. mihockey.tv. Look it up right now, Matt. I will look. Tell me what you see. Brandon? I, I will. I will. We'll wait here with bated breath for you guys. What do we have? There it is. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Oh, we got, is, do I, is that the Mackinac Bridge I see in the background? It is the Mackinac Bridge. Wow. Uh, Good and then, landmark. And then I'll be heading down to uh, Tampa, Florida to secure the uh, high school league in that area, 17 teams. That's run by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm. And uh, flhockey.tv will be birthed. <laughs> I'm siring a Taking lot of over these. Taking the market. <laughs> siring. <laughs> oh, God. Let's get into the... That's uh, an adjective. Yeah, let's get into the Minnetonka Eden Prairie, uh, or Edina, Edina. game uh, from last night. And we're going to hear from Goldie coming up here in a bit. But, you know, it was two goals in the first, two in the second. Gavin Gary scored a pair of goals that were... I, that kid is... I look at he and Jackson Nevers as being very much similar players. They're big and strong. They're wide. They play right through you. They shoot the puck. They're smart, good hockey players, both juniors. But he, Gavin had two goals. His brother Luke, we talk about him in the interview. He has absolutely evolved into being a wide-eyed sophomore into a cerebral, totally opposite from his brother, mm. a cerebral, smart hockey player. And honestly, as he's getting better, the, the team is too. Because he's taking, like, he was on a line with Sand and Jake McCluskey. They scored the game's first goal, an incredible three-on-two, uh, just a bang, bang, boom type thing. And, you know, not a lot of third lines can do that against the defenseman and the forward line that was out there for Edina. It's hard to do. Um, if you can do that, I think you're going to have a lot of success. That game was just so contested. Uh, we were texting as a broadcast group back and forth. Bet you everybody loved to see that. The shots on goal were 19-17, so it's not like they were easy to come by because it was tough. Mm -hmm. And I said old school NHL style. What did you say, Brandon? Well, I said it didn't really seem to work for them if they lost by four <laughs> goals. Well, because I was saying, yeah, Edina's playing a real tough game yeah. ready and um you know i don't know we've seen him play a physical finish your check game against other teams this year but not where they were just uh, like they were testing minnetonka's will physically and impressively the skippers didn't fold other teams might have because they were getting pounded and they st stayed to it, but they pushed back. Mm -hmm. So just from that's more what I was, I, you know, Texas. Sure. But but more what it was was you know when you're on that perch over the the bench, the perch. Um, it's like <laughs> the, or the original perch. Yeah, that's had its few running not to be of incidents. Not, <laughs> not to be confused <laughs> with the gator. Um, so but you know you could just feel it, and you could feel the momentum shift, and it never came back. And it was just such a thoroughly entertaining game. I just loved it. That's what you want, right? Oh, Entertainment. And I know those teams will meet again, uh, I believe, 
couple weeks. Yep. So I think I'm on that call. If I'm not, I'm gonna be. I here. was gonna say you're gonna boot somebody. Someone's from getting the, tossed. Someone's getting and tossed. Then I'm gonna, <laughs> then I'm gonna be good. Dust boot. <laughs> He's the worst. He doesn't get it. Uh, no, nobody. I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, let's take a listen now to Goldie here on the Overtime Podcast. Big crowd, late conference win. Team played about as perfect as he can from at least this guy's eyes. Yeah, I was pleased with their effort. It was the first time this year we've played uh, three full periods. Um, you know, hats off to Dinos, a really good team. That's one of the best teams we've seen all year. And I knew it, and Kurt and I talked about it before the game. They're, they're a really solid team. And, uh, but we don't have to, the, the beauty of our Edina Minnetonka rivalry is you never have to wake up for it. Our kids were jammed and juiced and ready to go from the drop of the puck. Your puck support, I thought, was off the charts. Didn't matter where it was, there's always a guy there. Yeah. Uh, whether the Hornets turned it over or you turned it over, there's always someone there to help out. Yeah, you know, our puck support's good because our team speed's good, and we, uh, we're, we're pretty good in transition. We attack out of transition well. I think the first two goals came out of that, and then our third goal came off the power play. So uh, that kind of separates you a little bit in a team that uh, matches you up pretty good five on five. I don't know if you remember that power play goal, but I remember I commentated and said, for you young kids at home, that's how power play works. I mean, you yeah. high to low and just spread it out. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, I mean, again, we've been working on it, and, you know, you get back to kind of what we do, and it takes a little while and some reps, but our power play's starting to click a little bit. It wasn't good early, um, but they're sharing the puck now, and they're moving it, and they're taking it to the open spot, and right now we're really balanced, and, you know, whatever's available, we're going to take. Yeah, obviously Alex Lunsky is out with the the mono deal, and you've got different lineup shakeups. It's been for a few days, but these kids just look completely comfortable with whatever line combos you had out there. Yeah, I think sometimes early in the year um, you, you force line changes and line lineups so you got to be a little different for opportunities when you do have injuries or illnesses. And obviously, Lunker is a big part of our, our lineup. Uh, but you know, we've we've seen other guys step up. You know, Jack Sand and and uh, Luke Gary and, and and Jake McCuskey. You know, had a great line tonight. That line was really effective. And I don't know if people call them our third line, but they were pretty damn good tonight. Didn't look like it to me. No. Right. Uh, I've watched the uh, just the involvement, uh, the evolution of Luke Gary. Mm-hmm. You know, think of the first game. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a no. sophomore, you know, look, no. but he looks completely acclimated now. Yeah. Well, he's on game 15, and right. it usually takes about that, 12 to 15 games. But Luke Gary is one of our smartest hockey players, mm-hmm. and he's he's just starting to hit his game, and, and he makes plays, and he's a power play player, and he's starting to get some kill time, and... Uh, I think he's uh, one of the more underrated players on our team. I completely agree. Very subtle. When you go into the game, you obviously know they're heavy. Everybody calls the team heavy and all that. But there's something about the way they finish, which seems a little more ferocious than others, on the defensemen especially. So they came out hot, man. The first two minutes was like, okay, what's happening here? Obviously, you probably told your team to be prepared for it they were aware of it but I thought they weathered it quite well mm-hmm. and can you kind of talk on how well those defensemen did well Edina plays a heavy game they, right. they really do and they expose you they have for years and that's just their style of play and they come at you in waves and you do have to be, get off your heels a little bit and if you're not ready it's going to be a long night I think our guys are used to that you know we've already played some heavy games already this year why is that being one of them and and that gets you a little bit more prepared for the late conference. But I think as we settled in and we started to take control of the game, we were we had possession of the puck. 
and then now you're not chasing it so much. Now we're kind of dictating the tempo of the game because we have the puck on our stick, and we just kept telling our guys make hockey plays, but then finish your play with them. So I think we matched their physicality as the game went on, and then I think we had the puck a little bit more. You move on from this, obviously. Great day. Now you got to get back on the ice tomorrow practice. How do you keep this momentum, forget about it, not like you know glorify it, but then move yeah. on to your next matchup? Well, I mean, let's be honest. They're high school kids. They need to enjoy I just told them. They need to enjoy the win. Uh, this is maybe the biggest rivalry that we have in our program with Edina over the course of, you know, 30, 40 years. So mm-hmm. every alum in our program takes note of these two games. Well, they're here. And, and they're here. Exactly. So they enjoy that. That So I told our kids to enjoy the win. And we're on to Eden Prairie tomorrow afternoon for practice. And Eden Prairie's a, been a, another one of our big rivals. And it's a section game. And it's a late conference game. And if we're sleepy, we're going to regret it. So uh, we live day to day. We have to preach it, but then we have to kind of really push it on the kids pretty hard. So uh, I told them to enjoy the win, but by the time we hit tomorrow, we're already on the Eden Prairie. Good luck, Coach. Thanks, Thank man. Thank you. Yep, appreciate it. As we promised in our open, here he is. He is the mastermind of Legacy.Hockey, Minnesota's number one resource for high school hockey's past, present, and future. Lauren Nelson, thanks for joining us. What a great tagline you have because that really is what Legacy Hockey encompasses. Yeah, I think so. I I hope so. Uh, You know, I'm a history buff, having written the Turning Time book, and I, I love digging into the history of high school hockey so that's the past part the present obviously we see each other in a lot of games and then the future of the sport is pretty important too and and it's fun looking at freshmen and you know kids coming up they're always replenishing the stock if you will they are and you know by the way on your uh website you've got a a great uh report card and uh, we won't get into that because it's, it's um, I would call it privileged content that only the few of us privileged get. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's great. But there's areas within your website where you should subscribe. And I, I, think, I think we've all moved past the idea that everything should be free because I don't know where that came from. It used to be that when I went to the corner store, I'd purchase the Star Tribune for a quarter or 50 cents. You know, so suddenly, because it's on your computer, it should be free. So um, I think what's great about your site is you have all of the things that are there uh, for the casual fan that want to see who won, who lost, who plays next, who's in first. But if you want to get into the midseason report cards and things like that, it's worth every penny of the subscription. And uh, I would urge anyone listening to this uh, podcast to do it. Legacy.hockey is your official source and resource for the Minnesota High School Hockey Coaches Association. It's boys hockey covered to its fullest. Um, what well, question for you on that picture for the report card. What do you think of Chan Hassan's tan pants? Chan Hassan's what? Chan pants. They're breezers. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I never really thought about it until you, you mentioned it now. Every time I see them, it stands out to me. And I'm from the school of thought. Wow, that was loud. I'm from the school of thought that I like that. I, I just was kind of curious where you landed with that. I'd have to look at them and see, I guess. I, I know I like their unis. I mean, they've got, they got you a top, they, top five jersey in the state. 
Possibly. Right. The Chan is very cool on the home. I mean, so we're, we're kind of, uh, I'm kind of segueing into the topic, obviously, as we talk about teams. And, you know, Chan Hassan has been um, really ripping off the wins. Obviously, their win against Minnetonka was signature. There are some people that will argue, well, they don't quite play the schedule that the other guys are with the big boys, that they kind of sit back in the Metro West. But they've got two coming up with Benild, who can be a bit Jekyll and Hyde-ish. Uh, and they've got some uh, big tests coming that way. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the, the Chanhass and Storm in the mix with the top teams in uh, the AA? Well, you know, they're interesting because if you, you can say they don't play, they they certainly ramped up their schedule this year. It's still maybe not at the level of some of these top teams that have been building these schedules for 15, 20 years, you know, where they kind of get locked in with other top teams. And you're right there in the Metro West where um, you might not play the toughest team every night. But if you look at their the way they're winning against these teams, I mean, they're, uh, they had a run here of, what, four straight shutouts. They've given – in their last – I'm looking at their, their schedule here. In their last six games, they've allowed two goals. So <laughs> – uh, they're playing pretty good D. They're playing. They're playing decent teams, and they're doing what you would expect a top team to do against them. They haven't really had any hiccups. You know, they they lost that that season opener to Andover six three, but I wasn't there. But from what I heard, it was a pretty evenly played game. And then uh, got the, the signature win over Minnetonka. I, you know, they, they had a close one with Shakopee. Uh, otherwise, you know, what what more can you ask out of a team? You're right. That Andover game that they played to start the season was two empty net goals, and it was a back-and-forth affair. I think they might have had a turnover that they would have liked to have had back. Uh, but they are outscoring their opponents in the Metro West 26-1. So there's those shout-outs you're referring to. Sean Bloomfield is a coach right now. I mean, think about this. In his second season, he has only lost seven games combined among the two seasons to go along with 34 wins. That's pretty darn yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think when you look at, at Chan, I think one thing you're seeing with them is really the continuity with their group. They returned so much last year. And, you know, obviously some of the top teams, the Wyzettas and the Tonkas, they maybe have some of the higher-end players that we're looking at. But don't underrate that continuity there. I mean, Chan Hassan, their entire top nine, they're very deep. They play a lot of their D and just kind of keep it rolling. And they have a... Uh, an identity in the way that they play. And I think that's maybe what you're hinting at under coach Bloomfield that they, they just play their game and they're really, really tough to beat. Like you said, two empty net goals against Andover. That's that opening game. And I think they actually pretty heavily outshot the Huskies in that game. Maybe one they'd like to have back, but what they've done since certainly very impressive. Well, they're very spatially aware uh, in the defensive zone. You don't see a lot of chasing and running, and therefore they're not giving up odd man situations down low for scoring chances. But then when they leave the zone, they leave as five, so they come up as five and they come back as five. And then when they're off, when they're offensive zone, they really attack with a purpose. And I think what what Sean Bloomfield is proving is that if you share a message, and people buy into it, and you have some semblance of talent, which they do, mm -hmm. and a great goaltender, damn. You could do some fun things. So, uh, you know, Lauren, what I say is, is could they be this year's prior lake from last year to break through? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Right. I mean, they, maybe the toughest team in the section uh, that they'll have to beat is Minnetonka, <laughs> who they already beat. 
Right. So, you know, as the only thing is getting to that big game and, and getting that experience and winning it for a program, you know, not even necessarily for the players, but just for the program. They, they've never won a playoff game. And I, I think that's pretty cool. And this year I'm pretty confident in that. But, you know, sometimes it takes a while and you got to take your lumps to get to get over that hump. But uh, not always. Well, let's they talk- might have the horses to do it. Let's talk about that team you just uh, mentioned in Minnetonka. You were at that game with Edina last night, and uh, boy, I, I, I've seen a lot of the Skippers this year, and I know they've been playing well. They came in winners of five straight, now they're winners of six, but they didn't have any holes in that game last night, did they? Ooh, they look good. Yeah, yeah I mean, geez, they they were you know they were physical, they were fast. Uh, you know, they're, I wrote today about their forwards and how they're committed to playing defense. So these guys are back checking. Um, they're not they're not looking for for easy goals. I mean, geez, you know. And if, if something does get past the D, which is rare, then uh, Kaiser Nelson's there to make the save. So that's the best I've seen them play all year. Me too. And they did it with Lunsky on the shelf. He had mono, and um, yeah. he's he's. he's He's, like four games, right? His spleen tested out okay, you know, now he can start, but he's still so exhausted from it that it's just really tough to get up off the couch. So hopefully um, he can be back. You know, you got a couple weeks left here in the season where he can get to work. But, yeah, that was an impressive uh, run for sure. Maple Grove, how about them last night? This Champlin Park team, uh, people can't ignore them anymore, and they handed what was the first loss since December 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Maple Grove. So Maple Grove's been playing really well, but you have to take note of Champlin Park in the Section 5 AA as well. I think Maple Grove had an 11-game unbeaten streak. They did. And uh, I was at, you know, I wanted to see Champlin play, so I went out Wednesday, uh, you know, the day before this big upset win, and saw him lose uh, 8-2 to Benil. But uh, you could see, it was, you could see, uh, they've got, They've got three uh, veteran seniors kind of leading these guys. Jordan Ron, Drew Bellison uh, are two of them. Um, Evan Williams is the other. They've got some really high-end players. And when they put it together, you know, they already beat Hill Murray this year. They took Andover to overtime. Uh, they had a one-goal game with Rogers. So, yeah, they're, they're sneaky good. And I guess they're not that sneaky anymore. As right. you beat Maple Grove, you kind of put your name up up there as a team to watch out for. Which Benilde St. Margaret's team, I mean, which one are they? Are they the one that lost to Matamidi? Now, granted, uh, we, we know we know they started a, a, a different goaltender than McElroy, who's definitely elite. He went back in. He's a little nicked. Uh, but are they the team that lost to Andover 9-3 to or turned around and beat them? Was it 3-1 or whatever it was? Uh, are they the one that Hammers Champlin Park, who then beats Maple Grove. What do you think's going on there with those kids? It might be just as simple as penalties, staying out of the box. Ding. They, t- they take a lot right. of penalties, and sometimes take a lot of penalties. And when they do, they generally lose. <laughs> when they don't, they generally win. I don't know if, you, if it's that simple, but that's certainly a part of the equation. But that is so not Ken Pauley's teams. They're pretty disciplined, and and they like to just get up and down the ice, and and make you chase them. Um, when they're doing that, and when they're putting that first, 
woof, they are hard to keep up with. So I still think they've got some serious noise that they can make in their section, which at the time was looking like a three-headed monster with uh, Wyzetta, Edina at the head of the class, and Bedell St. Margaret's certainly uh, at the table for the Last Supper. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, Chapman Coach Tom Potter said that uh, that we played some really good teams. That's maybe the best skating team they played against. So that's a pretty nice compliment. And you're right, when they're getting up and down the ranks, you know, they can certainly play with uh, Wyzetta, Edina. And it's just a matter of, boy, you can't, you can't get a any of these top teams, too many power play chances, you, you'll just never survive. No. So that's that discipline thing you're talking about. And when they, they lost to Andover big, uh, they were in the box all night. And a lot of the penalties weren't, weren't necessarily the greatest ones to take. So they were a little undisciplined then, um, but they had it all going against Champlin on Wednesday, that's for sure. You know, if I were the coaches last night for Minnetonka and Edina, I'd be, you know, if you're Minnetonka, you absolutely love the way they played from start to finish. If I'm Edina, I like the compete that they had. But there was one thing on both sides of the coin that would have driven me nuts. It was the, and I thought the refs did a really, really good job of managing the game to, it was physical. It was, there, there wasn't a lot of space at first to get moving. And man, they could have started calling everything. It wasn't cheap. It was just very rugged. and It was big boy hockey. But after the play, you'd have guys taking extra punches at guys, and bang, they would call it. And I thought that was great. Those are the things that will kill you in the playoffs, period. And I think it's good that we had a couple of refs that had their eyes on that, Lauren, and I saw that yesterday. And I think that's just a message to all of these teams. You've got to take your personal differences and set them aside. Sure, the guy hit you with an elbow, but they didn't call it. Punching him in the back of the head isn't going to help. Because they're going to see <laughs> no. that. Yeah, yeah, they're going to see the second one, and they're going to call it. Uh, they might not see the first one, which is understandable. So, yeah, I mean, it's that discipline thing. And you get into the playoffs, and one undisciplined penalty, you know, that, that could be the difference. Because you've seen these playoff games. It, it doesn't boil down to much. No. You know, a big save or... Maybe a, a goal that should have been a shot that should have been stopped, or you know, a bad penalty, and that's it. Close. So if, if you can't kind of nip that now, uh, you're running out of time to kind of get that out of your system, I guess. Close games and playoffs can come down to about three or four main moments, which really change the game. Period. Matt Harrington's got something for you. Yeah, Lauren, I, I want to go back to the Section Two AA conversation and another team of intrigue that you brought up is the Shakopee Sabres. They've been having a terrific season. Played a lot of, of these good teams really close. Maybe they don't have that signature win yet, but where do you see them kind of fitting into the picture there in 2AA? They're right in the mix. I saw them play Chanhassen, and it was a close game. I mean, they're, they're certainly in Chanhassen's league. So it's a, they're an interesting team because they're a lot like Chanhassen was last year in that all their top well, not all. Jackson Vogel's a senior and very good, but uh, almost all their top guys are freshmen and sophomores. So they're still coming of age. Um, whether they can, you know, that Section 2 AA, even the quarterfinals are going to be really mm. fascinating. And uh, so can, can Shakopee knock a couple teams off and get to the final? Yeah. I, I don't see why they couldn't. But 
You can say that about maybe seven of the other teams in the section, too. Well, look what they've done. I mean, it's a one-goal game against Holy Family, who, by the way, is um, at the Last Supper table, too, as well. <laughs> uh, they're definitely in the mix there in that section. Uh, they lost to Chanhassen by a goal. Uh, they lost by one to Hermantown, and we know how impressive they've been. That's a, a 4-3 game there. So, you know, and they've been beating the teams they need to beat. Um, but I do agree with you, Lauren. You win with seniors. They're men. And when it comes to the playoff times, I mean, it, it, you can kind of hope and wish as freshmen and sophomores. But when, it, when the rubber meets the road, I can't really think of very many teams that are sophomore, freshman-laden that have ever gotten anywhere to the state tournament, let alone uh, moving on and advancing in there. They may be a year off, but maybe not. I mean, you know, they're, they're in the mix of things. Will they have something for Minnetonka? We don't know. Uh, we can certainly see. Looking out over onto the other side of the ledger, you know, I, I think about in the 4AA, Hill Murray and what's going on there, uh, they still play such a great brand of hockey, and you can't turn your back on them. And then they have a humdinger with uh, Stillwater in a 2-2 tie. That was a terrific hockey game. Stillwater was looking like they were going to be the class, uh, class of the 4AA. Then they came back to reality. But then now there's another Champlain Park, which is Roseville, yes. with the Steffen brothers. And so now, of course, Dad Scott, who's a longtime hockey guy, friend, does a great job. Those guys are in the mix. So I, I think what the theme is is that these things are all very up in the air. Yeah, you know, you can throw Gentry in the right. mix there too. I mean, they're not. That's not a bad team, and we're certainly uh, capable of an upset. As is Roseville. Roseville's been pretty fascinating with the Stephen brothers. Uh, you know, the their ability to kind of take games over at time times with their scoring. Uh, you know, yeah, that that section is interesting. You know, Hill Murray. You look at them and you're like, you know, what's going on with Hill Murray? But you have to remember, they've, a couple of their top forwards have been injured for much of the year. So, um, you know, that's that could, you know, if they get those guys back, I think they'll be a little different team. And their defensive core is, is pretty much all new guys, first-year guys. So uh, I trust in Lechner. That's uh. my uh, <laughs> that's my statement. And uh, I would not count them out of anything in that section. I agree with that 100%. And when you've got the goaltender that he has uh, that is a game-changer and Jack Erickson, anything can happen there. And you get some of those healthy forwards back. They suddenly start making those first passes from the defenseman that much better, and then they can go to work. A lot of this is really easy to scoreboard watch and say, well, they beat them. and they beat, But you need to know why. And, you know, there is injuries, and we do know that guys have been nicked and dinged. You know, you may look at that Montemiti win over Benilde St. Margaret's and say, well, what happened? Well, their goalie's hurt, and they played someone that, that you know, ended up having to be replaced. It wasn't anybody's fault particularly, but that's part of the game and what you don't know. So now you went up, and, you know, we obviously, Matt and Brandon and I spoke a little bit about the War Road uh, Hermantown game in our first segment. Um, would love to get your perspective from that game and if in your mind it lived up to it, it certainly did, obviously, in the historic value with that streak being snapped. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was. But those two teams play, it's interesting because it's like a chess match. Uh, very few 
mistakes being made defensively. So there's not a, it's not like a wide open, uh, you know, scoring chance after scoring chance. Goalies making spectacular saves. It's not that kind of hockey. It's really close to the vest. Um, if you make a mistake, the other team's probably going to score. Both teams know that. So, uh, you know, it's it's fun to watch. It's like I said, it's a chess match. It's it's interesting how these teams try to you know match lines and and defensive pairs against certain lines. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, you know, I think Warwick maybe has the better high end talent, but Hermantown might have the deeper bench. I don't know. So that's also part of the equation. But I loved it. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, it's fun. You know, it's not often when you go to a game and there's snowmobiles parked right in front of the. Oh, it's the best. You know, guys walking around in their snowmobile suits and. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it it was it definitely lived up to it for me. I I thought it was a great game, and I I would love to see them play again. Yeah, Lauren, and I'd have to say as well, absolutely love the photo you got of the winning goal for the Warriors. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, you know, take us through a little bit what you see from behind the camera, too. Do you, I guess in a, a game like that, you know, how rewarding is it to, to get such a great shot like that? And you mentioned a game with, you know, maybe not those big scoring chances. Warroad got one rush. They executed it to perfection. You got the shot. It's a really, really good one as well with uh, Garrett Henham scoring that game-winning goal to put the Warriors up 2-1. So kind of take us through that shot a little bit, too. Well... Yeah, that was an interesting, I, you know, it's third period, and you know uh, that's what's how's, well, that or overtime, but that's how it's going to be decided. So you have to be ready, and then you have to figure out where, you, where you're going to get that shot. So I went up top, because if, you're, if you shoot through the glass at one end, and it happens at the other, which is kind of my luck 90% of the time, you're not going to get it. So went up top, and, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, just get that lens or that uh, yeah get that thing cranking when the, the play came down there and just got lucky you know a lot of it comes down to luck too and timing and but uh, but deflection goal and that was the, the key one so yeah I appreciate the, the kudos on the photo but a lot of it is just kind of spray and pray when I'm <laughs> well said yeah, yeah I love it love it <laughs> oh, so great um, then you know a couple uh, final thoughts here before we uh, let you roll back into your business and day at hand but you know it's always fun to you know I don't think no two season is made the same and I think this one has its definite definitions that have taken shape I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are from what you've observed from the class A and the 2A some of the things that would be storylines of the season maybe similar maybe different uh, well, in Class A, it's the storyline is is really Warroad and and Hermantown, and then who can who can knock those guys out if, from a you know we don't call it preordained, but a you know a rematch in the championship game, and so that's the big story. And Matamidi and and Orono certainly look capable. Right. That kind of. I agree. Uh, they've proven that they can play with and beat some of these Class A Double A teams as well. So. And Orno does play, and Mott, I mean, I both play Hermantown uh, later this season. So Still. I think that's kind of, watching these, it's kind of like in double-A where we're in single-A now, all these really powerhouse teams are scheduling each other, which is a lot of fun. And I was thinking, like, 
if you can't get a ticket for the the double A championship game or any of their games, man, that single A is is just as good or, or very close to being as good. With you throw Warroad, Hermantown, Orono, and Matamidi into the mix, so it's kind of like a, a sneaky value to get into the building and watch some really good hockey. A really um, good, a really good value, and and the environment and the vibe is a little more personal, because when you go to the double A final. It's a lot of the legacy, not hockey, not hockey, but a lot of legacy season ticket holders that have, you know, passes to all. You know, it's just sort of, it, it's not as uh, hometown baked uh, with the lower bowl stuffed full of each team's fans and then people that really care about the outcome of that game that spread into, you know, sometimes the club level. And I've even seen it into the third deck. I think this year's state final with, you know, those four teams – you know, they could be, if they get there, they look like they could be positioning to square off in the final four. Um, no matter what happens, uh, that will make, for whatever that final is going to be, you are right, that's probably the best value ticket that you could get for this weekend at the state tournament coming up. Yeah, I think it's funny because how the upper deck has, has been opened many times yep. for those for those semis in the championship game. Matamita brings huge huge crowds and that's happening more and more and i think people recognize like hey i can go see some really good hockey in a cool venue and a, and a great setting like you're saying with the, a ton of hometown fans and huge student sections so uh it's what i call the rise of single a hockey i love uh, it i love it yeah so how, how double a, yeah how about the double a how about the double a yeah double a is really it's kind of fascinating with with well i guess it's kind of the late conference at the moment with uh it's kind of similar with Wyzetta and, and uh, Minnetonka, but, you know, can Chad Hassan sneak in there? And there's plenty of other teams that are, are very capable of doing that. You know, uh, Maple Grove, even though they lost the other night. Um, so lots of good teams. Um, yeah, I think so. It's going to be similar in that way that, you know, we've got, in my mind, kind of two that have risen to the top, but, you uh, a whole bunch that are, are capable of, of being right there, too. And those two, in your opinion, are Wyzetta and Minnetonka? Yeah, Yep. I think so. Hard to argue that, and, uh, you know, for the two guys that sit across from me, I'm, I'm accused of being a late conference lover. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, just, I just say, well, just go where they win. You know, I mean, all you got to do is, 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 you know, who pays my bills? It's the late conference. You know, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> his too no. <laughs> no but no i i say that all jokingly but um you know when you do look at the track record from let's say maybe 08 um there's been conferences the north northwest suburban conference owned it from like 2000 to 2004 with all those straight championships yeah and and that yeah. was their time and they were amazing um then the late conference because the late conference went to sleep as their demos changed in my opinion and then they kind of re-seized the opportunity back in 08, 9, 10. And now that's been going on for almost 15 years where they, they've had so many finalists and state champions, more than any other of the conferences combined. You kind of can't not ignore that. They did have a little bit of a sleepy run last year. We're going to blame it on COVID. <laughs> Uh, why not? That's the easy thing to blame. But uh, no, it's interesting to see their back. But I think the thing that, that stands out to me is that one of these top teams could get knocked out, and they probably will. Mm -hmm. There will be someone that takes someone out. 
it still will make for some very the, whoever takes them out and if they advance, it's still going to be a very rich and deep state tournament. As I'm looking at this, I'm kind of like moving my way through the sections. You know, teams one through three in each of the sections are all going to be very fun to watch, maybe even four, uh, to watch when the state tournament time comes around. So to me, that tells me, sure, there's been some movement and some super teams that have kind of evolved through all of that stuff that we don't really get into. But there's still a ton of teams that are creating so much depth in the AA field. Is that what you're seeing too? Yeah, you know, remember last year, you know, all eight teams had a probably had a uh, an argument to be seated one. Right. <laughs> you know, it was, it was the field was so good last year. It was it was phenomenal, um, and it, we we could be headed to something very similar this year. Although it seems like you know some of these sections, it, there, there is going to be a team that maybe you didn't expect sneak through uh, that might not have a you know a twenty. 20 or just a two loss we'll say a two losses or whatever it was last year with almost all the teams only had a couple losses so there might be a more likelihood of that but either way it's it's going to be another year of of uh, eight really good teams in the in the state tournament okay this is the last thing we're going to do on this segment and everybody gets a pick i want you each to take one team that is going to be the upset special and pop through the Class AA section of the state tournament. We'll start with you, Matt. Ooh, that's tough. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of Shakopee, but again, that's just such probably the deepest section You're in the state. You're in love with them. Well, I, I'm not in love with them, but I think they could definitely get to the section final. I don't know if they're going to get to state. It's just so deep with Minnetonka. Go Chan with Hassan. it. I mean, if they're going to get to the final, they got a shot. Okay. Yeah. I'll go. Okay. So I'll you'll go say Shaco in the six. Yep. Stunner. Two. Or two, sorry, in the two. two. Yep. Brandon. Gosh, this is tough. Um, I'm thinking of a couple teams in four, maybe. I don't know if Roseau would count out of eight, but give me the Eastview Lightning out of section three. Ah, I like that a pick, pick a lot. They, 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 you know me, I've been very warm with them. Yep. Okay, go ahead, Lauren. Oh, you know, I, I was thinking the two that just jumped into my mind because you don't want to pick a team that is likely to win. So I was thinking Eastview or Roseau. So I, since you took Eastview, let me let me just say Roseau. Okay, there you go. So the contested section is going to be the 8AA, and that's the one I'm going to. I think this team is sneaky, and they're much better than they were last year, and I love their coaching staff. I'm going the Bison of Buffalo in the 8AA. Wow. Oh, that's a I like that. statement. Well, I got a lot of losing us. I like that a lot. So yeah, I mean, but that's what's so fun, you know. And then we can do that back in the A sometime. But the the A is a little more cut and dry. Let's be honest. Um, I I do think that I will say this just to go there. I think that Orono is going to have some pushback from somebody in their section. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 100%. who is it going to be? Is that two? Two Providence, is always Providence Academy. Which one are you? Jekyll and Hyde. Talk Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> I mean, you know, which one are you? Have you ever seen a team, Lauren, that smokes someone eleven two and then gets smoked eleven two? <laughs> I mean, it is insane. Yeah, yeah, they are. It is a little Jekyll, bit of a Jekyll Hyde situation with them. Uh, you know, they've got the great, great uh, forward tandem, right? They we do. Is part of that, so I don't know. But defensively, you know, they lost. People forget they lost almost all their defensemen from last year, so they're they're yeah. retooling back there, and I think that leads to some of these 
kind of weird scores you're seeing. We'll call those matchup scores. Just not a good. <laughs> that's when the coach says, "Not a good matchup tonight." Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you go, "You better pray you don't get the matchup in the post." How's that? So postseason. So Lauren, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'll be seeing you. Are you? What game are you doing on Saturday night? I like to go to Saturday afternoon games more so. So I I am choosing Hermantown at St. Thomas Academy. Oh, Ooh, good pick. Good Mike Randall there. finally gets to uh, go up against Pat Andrews. Oh, the, oh wow, there. look at that storyline. Yeah. How about that? They, they have met before. Okay. If you remember, COVID forced Hermantown oh, to play to. Duluth East. Yes. That's right. Okay, yeah. so this is the second meeting. So the handshake won't be awkward. Shouldn't be. Okay, good. We've gotten past that is what I'm saying. We've already okay, that's good to know. All right, sir. You have yourself a great day. Thanks for joining us here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Lauren Nelson, he of Legacy Hockey. When we come back, we're gonna talk Minnesota sports right here on the Overtime Podcast. I mentioned at the open of the program that Greg Zanin was going to be joining the show. Uh, We're going to bring his entire interview. Uh, Really strong conversation with him. He's just a great interview. He's a good guy. Great coach. Doing some wonderful things in Stillwater with the Ponies. Let's check in with our guy, the Z-Man, Greg Zanin, right here on the Overtime Podcast. Welcome to the Pony Podcast. I can say it because it's hard to say five times fast. <laughs> Presented by Bridgeview Chiropractic. Thanks to them for putting this together for us. It's, yeah, no, it's great. We got a really, uh, uh, really fun year to talk about here. Challenging for sure. So far, yeah, it's been challenging. <laughs> right. So, you know, Greg Zan, of course, head coach of the Stillwater Ponies, and uh, I have talked a little bit off the air about, you know, everything's getting condensed. You know, you're watching your season get squished into five games in seven days or eight days type of thing. So. We'll get into that. We'll talk about your team start, some of the great games they've had, and uh, kind of take it a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your hockey life, too, <laughs> which I think everybody is always fascinated to learn about. So let's just start from the very beginning uh, for you. Um, your journey here to Stillwater we've covered in the past, but let's talk more about now this is you're really starting to put your stamp on this organization, this program, how things are coming together. What are your thoughts as far as that's concerned? <coughs> I'll edit that out. Okay. Now, what are your thoughts? You know, I mean, so where is it at from where you wanted it to be and, and where it is today? Uh, you know, I think it's it's going well. Obviously, it's been kind of a trying time with what's gone over like the last three years. I came in kind of late in a, in a in a spring and had to do a lot of things to get things going and had we you know we've always had decent years but we haven't made that final jump and uh, you know then you battle COVID like everybody else did in a shortened season and uh, this year though you know we we were able to there hasn't been any of that stuff so you know we've been able to concentrate on hockey we've had a, a couple coaches changes you know I was able to bring in Thomas Vanek who's been huge for us so getting it to us where we are today with as, with this team that we got uh, for this season is is been amazing I mean it's an amazing group of kids and kind of what I pictured from the start was you know kids that I've been able to see over the last couple years and getting to know them before they even get to us 
excites me because you know they come in and they have an idea of what we're what we're already about versus me just showing up and trying to teach new things and I think it was took us a little while to figure things out in the way we wanted to play but this group of guys this year uh, we came in working hard ready to play and, and ready to be you know where the situation we're in right now how much does it help to have a guy like Thomas who obviously uh, has been with this group since they were little yeah you know as he has one on this team for sure uh, how much does that synergy help you in that regard too? Uh, you know, I think Thomas, just with all the guys and, you know, before Thomas uh, made the jump and, you know, decided to, to help us out and be an assistant coach here, you know, he had worked with some of our guys as well. He, he used to run captain's practices for me before he, he made the change and before he actually retired. And uh, so he's got to know a lot of the guys, but the group of kids that he's been coaching for the last three, four years, I mean, they play the game the right way that you can tell that they've been taught to play the game the right way and you know early on when I was getting kids early on my first couple of years you know there was some there was a lot of teaching to do to teach them how to play the game of mm -hmm. hockey you know they're all talented they all can skate all kids can do that right now but I, a lot of them miss the actual game how do you play right. the game the game inside the game you know and uh, this group just you know their work ethic is way higher than we've had in the past and it drive, they drive each other every day, and I think that's just a huge credit to the players coming in ready to play, knowing they need to work, knowing they need to work and be, be the best that they can be. What are the areas that you feel uh, this group in playing the game within the game excels the most? I think it's the just their work. They work within the system. They understand what we're trying to get mm -hmm. across. From, from coaches to players, what we're trying to get across them. We got to work. We got to play fast. Um, we got to be on pucks. And for us, hunting pucks and tracking back is is basically our identity. If, we do, if we're doing those things in games, so far this season, we've come out on top. And that's just, it's just hard to play against if somebody's always on you. And these guys have just bought into doing, you know, what we've asked of them, and it's amazing from, you know, from their standpoint. So this group has had success at the youth level, obviously. The Bantams, you know, I mean, obviously you've sifted a few of them in from last year's team, won, won the whole thing, right? Yeah. So um, that's very helpful for sure. Um, but there's also an attitude, and I think one of the things that's been tough for a lot of teams is you almost have to recruit your own players to stay with you. Uh, as it, it's you know the the transfer portal is alive yeah. and well, but it, it seems as though from what I'm observing, like your kids are sticking around now these days. It, we we haven't lost as many as we have mm -hmm. in the past, which is good. You know they're they play with Saha, and you know you get an opportunity to go out there and work camps with them, and you know see them throughout the year, and for them to stay and you know trust in what we're trying to do here and uh, the team that we're trying to build. I mean I think it helps too with the schedule that we're able to. Uh, to come up with every year, playing top teams, playing a lot of the teams in the West, uh, I think really helps, has the players looking like they're playing a big boy schedule and we wanna play those teams so we can, you know, excel. And, you know, at those big games, you have the, you know, the junior scouts and the college scouts, people are coming to watch those big games. And I think that's why kids wanna stay is because we're playing these these big boy schedules and it, it bodes well for them if they can perform in those games when they win some of those big boy games on the schedule of maple grove yeah. that mo you know that's a team out west that state finalists last year they have a lot of key components back this year uh it was early yeah. right and things change <laughs> you know i mean right obviously but how, how much does that help from your group's coaching side of the bench to be able to just say hey 
you know, um, what we're trying to get communicated across to you guys, this is a great example of, of you applying it. Oh, if, I mean, playing that game so early on, I mean, yes, it was early on, and um, but that's a, an opponent we played last year, and we, we were leading in, in the, leading in the game by two goals, gave up two goals quickly, and ended up losing the game five to three to be able to play them and play hard. And it was a back and forth, but it, to come out on top, it's just a, a morale boost in the room and just as coaches and like you say you can be like hey look we did this and look what happened like we played this certain way you know and we have that game and then our next game we got to play white bear which obviously conference opponent always always a just a battle you know the the elevation of the games from both teams just gets way up there and we're able to put together the same type of game we played against maple grove and again we come out with the right you know we're up to we win the game two to one and you know the you just see the belief and the players come alive and um, you know, we started the season off with a loss to Centennial, which, you know, Centennial played a really good game that day, and we, we didn't really play our best mm -hmm. being our first game of the year and not having a lot of practices, but I think that was a, a teaching point as well. We were able to show them, hey, look, we're not moving the puck here, or we didn't execute this, and then you get to play the Maple Groves and you execute something and you're successful, it changes a whole lot the way they look at things, you know, and if kids are successful, I think then they believe and then, you know, Belief in hockey is a lot to do with winning. You know, if you believe in yourself and in what your team's doing and what your coaches are saying, you go out there and you give it your all, you're coming out on top more times than not. You know, you hear a lot about confidence, which is just another way, I think, of saying belief because when you believe, you have confidence. Yeah. Um, part of that is there's a fine line between being careless with mistakes, yet being able... I mean, the game is riddled with mistakes. Yeah. It's just... It's fast. Um how do you guys, how do you especially manage that as far as giving them the rope, but also saying, you know, that's careless? I mean, I'm a big, you, you got to, you learn from your mistakes. I mean, for me, and I, I tell, since I've been here, my biggest thing is like, mistakes are good. You know, we got to make mistakes, but we got to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're going to continually to make the same mistake after we've made points about mistakes, you know, then there's going to be a problem. Then maybe there's, you know, you're going to have to sit a couple shifts until you figure it out. But mistakes are, as long as we're learning from them and we're, we're not making them over and over again, we're perfectly okay with that because, like you said, the game is about mistakes. Teams only win and lose. If both teams played a perfect game, we'd always be playing zero, zero to zero because everybody right. can play the game. But the fact that, you know, mistakes are made, capitalizing on those mistakes when the other team makes them and trying to not make as many on our side, you know, that's the way the game goes. And, uh you know, Creighton the other night, we made a few too many mistakes to a talented team that can put the puck in the net, and they, they showed us that pretty quickly. But, um, you know, but that's another one. Learn from those mistakes. And, you know, what do we come out to do today? So that, that you have a great bounce-back situation where, you know, you put a lot of pucks in the net, you know, you fill it up, but allowed a few. Duluth East put in five last night against Grand Rapids. How do you approach your game in terms of these are the things we need to do versus what they do I mean w without dwelling too much on them but then focusing on you yeah but uh, we had a good practice yesterday didn't stay out long because we do have a lot of games in a row and you know just touch based on some of the things we were doing right before Christmas and then you know and their kids in over 16 day period of not playing a game you're gonna just 
get a little loose and you get into a game, now you're excited again. And I think more emotion was in the game versus mm -hmm. actual thinking. So getting back to our identity, who we are, playing a sound D zone, good through the neutral zone, creating those turnovers. Because when we create turnovers, now we're fast and then we can go the other way. And that was gonna, that was a big mindset in practice yesterday of, you know, just some situational, well, here's a turnover, let's go. How are we gonna create these turnovers? Um, and, you know, the players responded well. And they, they know, and we said after the Cretan game that, it is what it is right now. You know, we weren't at, at our best and we now we've seen them and we just move forward and we got, you know, 17 games left of the season and just to go out there and to improve every day and just the games will end up the way they end up based off of how we play. From the schedule perspective, we've talked about this. I, I, got, I heard that this is the snowiest it's been in 30 years. <laughs> and I was telling a story about we used to go out to, you know, for some reason we never had hockey on Friday nights back in the day in the early 80s and we go out, it was the 82. 30 years ago. And I swear to you, every Friday night it snowed. And that was the night we could go play. But we, we were shoveling, literally it felt the same yeah. as it did for that week. But it was like very consistent. So it's, But I can't remember a time where so many games have been postponed. Across, not just in the metro, you know, up in the northeast, yeah. northwest, southeast. How hard is it for you? Because this is a time where you, you, you lay things out purposefully. All you guys do. Yeah. Everybody has their methods, right? So now you go... God, we got to jam these games in here. It kind of screws everything up. So, you know, how do you, like, not overreact to that but deal with it? Uh, you know, it's we obviously don't want to overreact with it. We're, we're losing practice times that we like to have. And you're right. I mean, every coach looks into their schedule with their AD and tries to plan it out to where you hope it's perfect and, you know, you have the right amount of time off and you know, the right amount of practices. And just throwing another game in there, it's just a mindset of, you know, the kids need to be ready to play and especially for us i mean now we're playing weekday games at one and three o'clock in the afternoon right I mean, that's what you know that's get out of school. <laughs> yeah, they're, right. all, they're excited about yeah, that right. part they get yeah. to get out of school but you know it's a different mindset because but it feels now, different yeah, right well they got to go to school for a couple hours so they get the right amount of hours at school so they're eligible to play and there's all these things so it, it's a different mindset, but we just talk it through with them and, you know, just let them know it's still when you get to the rink, though, you're going to have your time to prepare, prepare, just prepare the same way you would and just play the way we can play. And there's, and I'm sure everybody says this, but there's only, there's certain things you can control, right? You can't control the weather. So boys, it is what it is. You know, games canceled, practice is canceled. We can't control that. But our mindset, we can always control, you know, what are you thinking about on those days? And now leading into all these games that we got coming up, preparing yourself, getting enough water, going to bed early, you know, getting good food in you so you have the energy to play. I think we're in a stretch where we're playing six games in nine days. Crazy. You know, that's un probably unheard of. And, I mean, other teams are in the same situation this year because of the weather, but I think Cole K coming in on Monday, they're on the same situation. So, but having the, just that right mindset of, and, I mean, I always like to play a lot of games because, you know, we played Creighton the other night, didn't go our way, didn't, you know, didn't feel it, our legs weren't there. Well, the greatest thing is, is we get to play today, you know, and how things go today, then you get to play Monday, then you get to play Tuesday. Like, get back on a horse, right? You're just, yeah. you're just going, it's go time. Let's get ourselves back to where we were before Christmas. And, uh, like I said, the guys have worked so hard, they have such a good attitude that, you know, I don't see this stretch being overly stressful in our minds it's we get to play hockey as a society as athletes as coaches we've went through covid yeah i mean this is a snowstorm you yeah. know i mean so i think we can we, we i mean we played to empty houses yeah. as players as coaches and things like that and um 
you know, playing at 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon probably isn't ideal and what anybody would want, but the beauty is is you get to play a game. You get to play. And the game you love. Yeah. So um, final question for you. Um, if you were to characterize this group of kids uh, in a couple of phrases as types of people they are in the room and then on the ice. Uh, in the room, this would be my first year where I actually feel like and I, I don't want to make it sound wrong, but the love for everybody right. as a group is solid. There's, you know, you don't, you know, everywhere you go, there's a little clicks. Even playing in the NHL, you got guys that hang out with guys, and mm -hmm. there's still the love in the room. But this group here, there, you see them doing stuff together. You see different groups of kids together all the time. It's not the same two guys off playing soccer. It's 20 of them playing soccer, and there's all of them were. It's just like, oh, it's just a love that they have. And whether it's for each other or just love of the game, it's just a different feeling this year. And then for out on the rink, it's it's just work ethic. They mm. just work. They work. There's never a complaint. Practice, you know, it's, hey, let's get on the line. We're skating. You know, we're a little out of shape. Nobody huffs. We get on the line. We skate hard. You know, we're doing this drill. We're going to battle today. They battle. And just that work ethic and that, you know, they're, they just... To me, they just love being here, love being at the rink, which, why wouldn't you? It's great, the greatest game on earth, right? And you just get to come, you get to hang out with your buddies. and uh, So it would just be work ethic and love that they have. You know, when you crave those skates and you know what it's about and what it's for and that it's actually making you better and that it's not punishment and that you do it together and then you champion hard work on the bench, you know, th this is a team as a coach. You know, it's always over and done. It's hard to say goodbye because it's oh, like because yeah. it's special. You know, yeah. and I think the the, the Stillwater Ponies have had uh, a lot of people are talking about your team outside <laughs> of you know because I know you've got your inner circle, yeah. but people are clearly talking about your group and are aware of them um, and and what they're capable of doing. And I think that's the ultimate compliment of, of a group of kids yeah. is if people outside of your general room are talking about, hmm, there's something special going on there. And I do know that the hockey world is kind of watching this group. So the question is, how do you handle with them being the hunted? Uh, you know, we, we always just try to reiterate to them, you know, there's going to be certain games where that's, we're circled on a calendar. Just no different than we, we have points, Maple Grove is circled on our calendar, the White Bears, the Cretans, they're circled on our calendar because we know those, those are the big games that we, you thrive to play in. Like, you just want to be there because you know what it's going to be and, um, just teaching them that we got to be ready all the time. You can't take a game off, whether, it doesn't matter who you're playing because we're going to be, we're, we're targeted now. And we've responded well. And I think a big part of it is the, our, our senior group. I mean, Ty Tocito, we've had for four years. He's been my only four-year guy since I've been here. He's been here as long as I have. And just the leadership and, you know, how he includes everybody. I mean, we've got four sophomores that are playing big minutes for us. And, you know, years past, you know, those guys, they had a disconnect from the older guys. And there's just, again, back to that love. There's just no disconnect. Everybody gets along. And, you know, do they have their arguments like brothers do at home? 100%. But it's then it's, let's go get them. Like, mm -hmm. let's be better. And they go out there and they get things done. And, you know, coming into this next part of the year, it's going to be a big part for us. And having that love and togetherness is, you know, will, will drive us through the, the, the highs and the lows. Great show, great stuff. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having we'll me. We'll be doing it again. <laughs> awesome. All right, Sounds take good. Care. Well, there you go. We had some real, we had Goldsworthy, we had Nelson, and we had Zanon.
good good cast Loaded. of characters We've right talked there. Bubble hockey. Can We've we talk a little more bubble run. hockey? How was yeah. hosting last weekend? Uh, it was good. It, it was. I'll tell you what though. You I, were struggling I, to get through the highlights. Are, I I would, why do you think? <laughs> why do you think? Because because it's only one person. No, but why was I struggling? Uh, well, a <laughs> lozenges. Oh, that, <coughs> the cough was legit. Glenn, how was I doing with the cough? Uh, when you got going, you uh, the vocal cords lubed right up. <laughs> yeah, he said the vocal cords lubed right up right yep. when you got. Get, but you know what? Uh, like, or I'd get right toward the end. I go, <coughs> and then I'd have to start <laughs> over. I could hear you. There were a couple moments I was watching it back. First off, great job. You did Thank awesome. You. That was, yeah, that was your, awesome. Your commentary was phenomenal. Far better than I could do. Wow. That's where the years of experience comes in. Do it for a few years. Yeah. You could do it, too. You guys I, do great, though. Thank you. Very proud of your uh, work. And I will say, that, yeah, there were a couple times where I could just tell you were just struggling to get over the finish line because it was so fast-paced in the transition. Oh, I mean, so, so I was thinking about how great, because I used to do it with Jim Rich. Right, right. So it would be, you know, I'd do one, he'd do one. And, you know, you can, you can kind of sit and look at his stuff, and then you do yours, you're like, okay, I know this is coming, and then it's like, boom, and then you go, then you do your thing, and then you can stop. <laughs> you know, and then, but it, 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 was, it, it was 12 in a row. Yeah, I, think a, it did, I think it did 14. The sprint, for yeah. sure. No, good, good work. My Thank favorite you. line by far was the uh, oh, no. during the Eden Prairie game, and you go, full-fledged NASCAR, blow tire! <laughs> he went down. He blew the tire. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe I, it. I loved that you kept in, uh, I did that Eden Prairie Dyna game last week. I love that you kept in Taylor Gardner when she got sniped. Oh, I had to keep that. That was so good. I've never seen that before. I had neither, but what, she so went happened? down like she was shot. I know, I know. <laughs> so, Matt, context. So it's very late in the game. Penalty box door opens. Mm -hmm. Nora McConnell goes to clear the puck onto the glass, and it goes through the open door, oh, no. hits the player coming back. Right about right shoulder, shoulder high. Yeah. Oh, she goes no. down like a but sack of potatoes. It's like she got hit by a grenade. You know, just <laughs> boom. You know, it, she was fine. She yeah, was fine. I think she was more like freaked so out. So Gardner was in. in the penalty box? I was yeah. great. Okay. And it the door you. door opens, and puck just comes boom. And then every, there's all the concern just piled over her. And I've I had, never, I had I saw that I had I've to never that. seen that in my life. That was, was fantastic. I had neither. That was fantastic. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> you can't make it up. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, you know, uh the part that the parts that I I really enjoy doing the highlights, that's fun to me, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just another version of play by play. Yep. yep. And you know, you try not to plan that stuff out, you just do it. You know, you just call what you see and you know, whatever. Um but uh, I did enjoy bringing the guests in. I think we'll do more of that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really good. I think it's important. And uh, these kids are working hard for these causes. And I think we as a public should do something to help, you know. Um, and so I'm challenging anybody listening to this show, check out uh, uh, org. That is Tucker's, uh, Team Tucker's website. Or just Google Team Tucker and it'll, it'll show up. Um, so, so that was fun, but, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it, but I would like to have had somebody else with yeah, me for sure. Just a banter for sure. You know, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like it, I felt like Van Pelt. Uh, SVP. Yeah. yeah. It SVP gets a little boring a little when it's just you. Yeah. Don't you think SVP? I mean, he brings in a lot of guests. So yeah. like, so, so whoever is this correspondent, they're always like popping in there. So, they, but they don't hang. Well, he's got Stanford there. Steve too. Whoever his sidekick is, yeah. Then. Whoever, okay. <laughs> I see. 
Yeah, but you're right, though. It, it gets a little bit... Okay. Hey, that leads to this question. Has SportsCenter died? Yeah. I would say so. I think ESPN, sad ESPN as a whole, their content outside of... They ruined themselves. Yeah. Though. They couldn't cool. get out of their own way. I mean, Correct. You know what? The to truth me... Is, agree or disagree with their political stance. Once you go there, you just, you just made... The whole reason we go to sports is we want to get away from that. And we want to watch mm-hmm. a game. I, I in my w- opinion. No, I agree. I think for me, like I remember in the mornings as a kid, I'd watch um, Neil Everett and Stan Verrett Sports Center. See that? Okay, that so is the best Sports Center me, of all to time. To me, those guys, uh, you know, when you mix in a little Kenny Maine in there, yep, you know, Kenny Maine's those very guys. Solid. So that they have the incredible back and forth, and they they have the perspective that it's two in the morning, or whatever it is. You know, it's just it's like it's sports. Some levity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, and it was perspective. But way back when I was little, it would be uh, the great late Tom Mee and um, uh, Berman, let's oh. say. And they Boom. would just be wham, wham, wham. And, you know, so they had a straight man role. And then here comes Charlie Steiner, the That's educated right. one from your school. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, so you, you get Chuck in there. And then and then you get then you get Berman just going nuts with the nicknames. And we would tune in oh. every night just to hear what nickname that Chris Berman was I got to bring this up. I got breaking news for you guys. As it happens. Who was traded? Luis Arias has been traded to the Miami Marlins. <laughs> For who? Pablo Lopez. Oh, they made that deal. Mm-hmm. One wow. for one. Twenty-six year old. I, I believe so. Yep. Well, so that was one they were making sound like wasn't going to happen. I, one for one. I'll say this: I still think it's beyond stupid to trade the guy who just won the batting title. I'll say that. I'm sorry. I, I don't agree with it. Can I be honest with you though? Yep. You play two sides of the baseball. I get it. I'm not saying I get he's bad it. defensively, but in this mix, where do you play him, and who do you? So. He's decent enough defensively, but can you? I still don't tough, agree with it. It's a tough place to be, though. I get it, and the thing is, you're right. You do have to have both sides of the baseball. But if you would have found a way to keep him, I think that would have been smart. I, I just honestly have a hard time wrapping around my my head around that. Brandon, yeah, it, Brandon's having a hard time too. I think. Yeah, I it, I know it's it's gonna it's bittersweet more so than anything. I do kind of get it from, from a baseball perspective. Just because, <coughs> excuse me, I, I came home with a cough this time, but uh, you got Miranda. I'm just getting, getting through mine. Now you're handing it to yeah, me. I know. Thank I know. you. You got uh, you got Miranda who will get more innings over at third this year, and mm-hmm. uh, he'll get some innings at first too. Kirilov, I, well, I, I don't know. Kirilov's yeah, a tough know. one. It's He's only really going to play first at this point. You just don't know how the wrist is going to hold up. But uh, What's so bizarre about the wrist is it's so much of what you do when you hit. Yeah. Um, even other parts of the game. But uh, let's look at Lopez for a minute. His best year has been, I mean, you could say the six and four year. He was two over 500 as a starter. Uh, you know, I mean, he's started 32 games last year, was 10 and 10 on the Marlins, of course. I would add the Marlins offense the last couple of years has been pitiful. Trick. Right. And he had, but here's the, here's the key thing um, of his last three seasons 3.61, 3.07 and a 3.75 ERA. Very sturdy and very healthy. Um, you also take a look at what his uh, innings pitched were. Last year it was 180 in 32 starts, so some durability there. And then he has 102 innings pitched in 2021, which is more than almost every starter Minnesota threw out there, seriously, uh, last year. So that's, that's an encouraging thing. If you go off a 162-game average for him, uh, his innings pitched are 184. So that 
to me, I'm more interested in inning munching starters because I think when you look at the playoffs, it is not about getting guys through five innings and worrying about them getting through the, ro- the batting order a third time. You get through the batting order the third, ta- third time and start working on the fourth where you then bring in your studs that can finish. That is what this team needs to fix. And if this helps, then I would give up that batting average for that. That's my opinion. No, I, I think I think you make a fair point. Um, but like I said, when you have a guy that just won the batting title, he's a fan favorite, very likable guy. It's tough as a fan to see him go. But I understand. Is he likable? I think yeah. he is. Oh yeah. I I just uh, why? why? I'd like why? to get your thoughts. Okay. Oh, I I think I know what you're gonna say. What? When he goes up to the box, you think he's too jumpy and. I don't know. That's what that's what I would say. You're getting warm. You think he does too much at the plate. I don't like I think he shows up the game in a lot of ways in which he's so cocky. Um he's he's only been there not even when he had one in his first year when a guy when a guy throws a pitch and the umpire calls it a ball or a strike, you don't shake your head. You just don't. Back you used to take one right in the ass if you did that back in the day. Like a lot of antics, a lot of uh, he his first at bat. I'm like, boy, this guy is really off the charts. I don't like the way he. I felt that disrespected the game. This is a coach. I would disagree. This is a coach 100%. who coached a game that for might... thirty. This is a guy who coached a <clears throat> game for thirty-four years at decent levels, right here talking to you guys. And if a guy on my team did that, he wouldn't be doing it. That might be. Uh, l- listen, it's uh, it's hard to take this this uh, award, but that might be your most scorching hot take I've ever heard. I'd agree. Really? It's yeah. right up there. It's I right up there. Completely disagree with that. By the scorching. Way. <laughs> Absolutely scorching. We need some kind of sound effect. Someone sound the fire alarm. Yeah, <laughs> you don't Holy. even want the sizzling bacon. You want the fire. alarm. I don't even know how to respond to that. Uh, but that's what bugs me. I can see where you're coming from, but I don't think it's him being. Cocky or uh, showing up the It's the way he flips game. the bat and the way he runs out a, a base hit. Uh, the cockiness is, whoa, you aren't Tony Gwynn, dude. <laughs> You're not. Okay. I've never. And Tony Gwynn didn't do that. Never once have I gotten. Rod Crew thought, didn't do that. George Brett didn't do that. Never it's once have era. I looked at Luis Arias. And, and, and you know what? I don't like it. I know you don't. I can tell. <laughs> never once have I looked at Arias at bat and go, God, that guy's cocky. But then, Not you, once. then you don't know. Then you guys are young. I just see a guy that loves the game. He's got quirks, and but there are cocky players in the league. Have to, that guy's among the worst. If you can't see it, we need to get the blinders off. We're gonna I, have to agree to disagree. On if this I one. were, if I were a visiting team, I'd hate him. I would hate him. So now he's a visiting team. And speaking of that, he'll play the Twins almost immediately, April third. Oh, he's just gonna light him up Miami. with four base hits. Mm. Three game series, and of course, with the uh, the new MLB schedule, every team plays everybody. Yeah, which is awesome. That's a huge thing. So okay. let's go here. I mean, we got to go to the obvious, which is uh, Carlos Correa. I think the Athletics written about three thousand stories on this. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable how many stories they've written. It's like it's constant. I've read every one. Okay. Um, I've not read every one. I've read a few. Uh, it was. It's. It, if you have, it's interesting because. It really does chronicle the whole thing. And I think, I don't know what's been covered in this market or not in this whole regard. It's really interesting. There's there, there's a couple things. 
obviously his surgically repaired ankle was viewed by that ankle specialist to not have the ability to withstand 13, 12, whatever years of playing. Okay, get it. Um, but then that falls apart on the deal. What's odd to me is then why didn't they do like what the twins did? You know, I mean, or was that just an all or nothing? And they're like, okay, let's go to New York and let's do the same thing. What I really think happened is, did you guys see the the pushback that the Mets Cohen got for just blowing past that magical 350 million payroll mark? Did you see any of that? A little bit, a little bit. He got heat for it because it's not a collusion thing. Someone said one of the other it's not, but it is. Uh, but they said it's not. But you know, at some level, we gotta like as a group. They agree to agree that you're not going to go blowing past any ceiling here because it'll become a three-team league. Mm -hmm. And everybody's kind of agreed to say, okay, right? And uh, um, I think there was so much pushback from fellow owners that when this thing, they use the same doctor. So if you use the same doctor to look at the ankle, what's going to change? That makes no sense. So all you needed to do is grab the MRIs from San Francisco and look at them, but instead, you know, you have this guy look at it again. You're going to get the same result. I think they did that specifically to have their out. That's what I think. Ooh. I don't think you're terribly far off. Uh, I think you're probably pretty close. I think that's what happened. So then, but then, what was the purpose for the Mets? Why did they even agree to the deal? Then? I think there was so much pressure that they did that deal, which was so this blew them way past the 350, where they got. Absolutely, the, the owners were pissed. I, that that much I could tell reading through the tea leaves of what sure. I was reading and, and just observing and kind of checking out. Well, and they, I mean, Stephen Cohen went. I mean, within a day, he put the agreement in jeopardy, right, by kind of going on record about a player that hadn't even completed his physical right. yet. You know, getting kind of brash and boastful about it. That probably didn't sit too well with some other owners that, that either. That jacked the whole thing up. Yeah, I mean, so there were two. So components. he kind of shot himself in the foot. Right on. And so then I think it was like, okay, here's our out. Let's get out of here. And then I think they did that. And then and then it's Boris going, oh my god, we gotta, you know. So the the twins in all of this then were like, okay, Matt took this girl to prom that was like his last choice. He took her. And <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She said she'd go. And this really <laughs> hot chick that he ha was interested in decided that she she came alone. And she wanted to go dance with him and then leave with him, right? <laughs> and then he started to leave, and then she saw somebody and said, I, I, Are you I'm, talking about, is this the, the tweet thread you're talking about? No, I'm making this oh, up. Oh, really? No, I'm making this up Someone, someone did something like that. Oh, no, I'm making it up. And then, and <laughs> it's then, really and good. Then, and so, no, I didn't even see it. So then Matt, <clears throat> then Matt just uh, turns back to his original girl and said, God, I love you. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I'll have to read that so then, off air. All right. So, so then Boris do. Then Boris comes back and says, "Okay, what can we do?" And I think the thing that I saw in, in one of the reports—I don't know if uh, Hayes or Gleeman wrote this—it was about uh, basically they said we aren't going to go any lower than the, the ten and the two eighty-five. And you know, I think the Twins were even trying to do five or six and higher value uh, per year. 
because I think even they were a little worried about that now. Um, but I think in the long run, they're looking at this and saying, okay, we are confident with this guy through, let's say, years four, five, six, seven, and then we'll deal with eight, nine, and ten as we see it. I think that's, I, I think that's given the situation, the best case scenario. And I do honestly think, well, it's funny because there's two things. I do think it did take Korea by surprise because, you know, I, I don't think he thought, I, I think he probably thought that would be the la- least of, it, it's been no problem. Right. Physical, and these he had the back issue a couple are, years are ago. just usually just. Right. And he had the back issue a couple years ago, but the guy has proven to be insanely durable and he totally takes care of himself. So that, so his surprise to it told me that if I'm the twins and I'm looking at this deal, if he was surprised by it, um, then I'd feel a little bit better because it's not like he was hiding anything and saying it's really going to be a problem. It's not like that. And, and I think that's important. The other component, if you're the twins too, they've got all these shortstop prospects. You can always say to Miranda, if Kirilov's wrist doesn't work, you're going back over to the sack. We're going to move him to third, and we've got all these prospects at short that we can stick in if they fit at the major league level. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit less moving on the feet, maybe. You know, And I, I do think hasn't been said very often, but I think it's important. Um, without the shift, I think range and mobility will now be an increasingly important thing at that position. And not only that, the ability to read situations. And I, I think Korea has among the highest baseball IQs I've ever observed live. So I think that's going to really, really be an important signing. For, forget about the offensive stuff. I think defensively with the shift, that's the best signing at shortstop of any of these guys. Is I that, totally agree with that. Are, yeah. the, are the stakes still hot? We doing good? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, you know, it's it, it's crazy that it happened, but it's funny where you, if, if you just sit back and look at things and go, ah, we'll see what happens. But when that whole Mets thing came about, the, the, it, to me the shocker was Frisco. Yeah. I like, you'd never heard of well, that before. Well, they had the press conference scheduled and everything. Never heard of it before. Yeah, I know. Well, the unprecedented. Okay. Then and then it's it like, happens twice. So 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 then when he signs with the Mets, like that, and then you go, okay. And then there's a physical. And then I said out loud, ooh, this is going to get weird. And it did. So, I mean, it's just a huge thing for the Twins. And, you know, now they bring in Lopez. What, is, what does that mean to what's there? Like okay, so who who are you moving? Or I mean, so let's pretend that nobody gets hurt, mm-hmm. which they will. But <laughs> you're but, right. No, but let's pretend. You're right. What's your rotation now? Um, probably. Well, you got to go. Sunny Gray, Pablo Lopez. Um, Maeda will be healthy, right? Or is he still out for part of the? Should be healthy. Tommy yeah. John was late. 21. He was supposed to be back in the fall, but I yeah, think okay. when they were falling out of favor in the race it was like just sit stay out. Yeah. yeah but yeah so so, so, he'll be so, up so so who's your one it's sunny yep gotta be sunny gray at one uh i i think kenta who was what second in cy young award went okay yeah in 2020 i mean yeah. i'd almost say that you know pretend that he's 100 percent. i'd go kenta one gray two okay um then who do you do three lopez what about ryan ryan i like it four. i mean I, rotation let's order be doesn't, honest Ryan's probably going to have his numbers drop a little this year, I think. 
He's a really good number Inevitably. four, but I, Lopez is better. More track record. Okay, I like Ryan. I, go I do, too. Okay. I do, too, but I okay, think Okay, so we have them as a top four. But he's slotted in. I mean, if, if you're slotting him in at four, you got to like that. Okay, then then who do you have at five? Uh, mainly if healthy. Okay. If healthy enough. What happens, and I'm, to, I'm definitely, what happens to Ober? I don't know. Starts in St. Paul? Maybe a six-man rotation. Protects. <laughs> Here we go. 20, 20 pitch counts now. <laughs> no, so no, but seriously, I mean, I I think especially Maley. I mean, the shoulder definitely, I would say, concerns me. You know, how can it not? Well, I mean, that's that's the whole thing that got me going is like the shoulder's an issue, and then you dealt for him a bunch of picks. Like that, you you dealt a perfectly fine pitcher for him, at least on the surface, looks like it. So that, so let's say he is, but that the the one guy that's been mentioned in trade talks has been Winder. So. And it was a no, strong no, because of depth. Mm-hmm. And so now if you bring Lopez in, does that make Winder available? Uh, you certainly could. I'm getting- or, or, is, or is Winder a guy, you know, I'm, I'd be curious, is Winder a guy that we say, well, let's see what he can do out of the bullpen for a year. They need see solutions. See if that stuff plays up. They need definite solutions there. Okay, then that, that lends it to, to the bigger point, too, is trade packages and things like that. I still, you don't need Jeffers. You don't need them both. You got two. You got two right-handed hitting catchers. I want to get a left-handed hitting catcher in here. I do, I do. I don't see that happening. I don't think they'll move off of Jeffers. Oh. <laughs> I know I, you don't like the one ninety-five, the one sixty, or whatever it was. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, like you got to try to hit one sixty. <laughs> I mean that's just I I don't know I I'm just not that doesn't do anything for me to be honest I I I do want a left-handed hitting catcher because I do think platooning means something in this game still it really does um, which lends me to this in the outfield okay they clearly in my opinion I think are are they they well I think they found their backup for Buxton in Gallo. Yeah, they Gallo, like him in center. Gallo could play center, yeah. Um, but then that changes things for Kepler. I, for some reason, I think he would have been moved by now. Mm. I, I, I get this weird feeling that if they, if they, if they ran out Gallo and left, Buxton and center, and Kepler and right, they really like that's one of the, that's a really good outfield defensively, defensively it's outstanding, maybe one of the best. Yeah, that helps you a lot. That helps the pitchers a ton. It takes pressure off the starters, off the bullpen, and then you've got uh, all-world shortstop right there. I don't know what the hell you got at first base. Uh, we know Jorge is a bit of a adventure over at second, and we know we his got ankles black. aren't good. So well, that's the thing. So that's but the you one have argument. a good insurance policy with Nick Gordon, right? And you know what? And he can play the outfield. So mm-hmm. suddenly, this team, short of some bullpen help, right? Is looking pretty. Decent. Yeah, and and I think one thing too that I was thinking about too when you mentioned first base, I wonder if there's some thoughts of you know maybe we get Joey Gallo some innings at first base and slot Trevor. That Warnick was the first the thing I thought. So maybe right maybe on. they're thinking that. I mean that's mm-hmm. a that's a big guy over there at first too. I, I really like Trevor Larnick and I think if healthy he could have a big year. Suddenly with the rise gone, you're going to open up more DH at bats as well. So I I think Kepler might fit a little bit better. Where do you fit with Walner? Before I mean, overall, long-term. DH. But he can or play. first base. I think he can play. 
Or first base. Like he can hit. I, I, I can like I, him. Can I bring he up something hit. about he Matt Walner? I was uh, in Peoria, you, obviously, at Bradley. You met him at Kowalski. No. No, I... Uh, the Cedar Rapids Colonels were in town. Oh, and that's I with saw a K. him play. Got that's his, with a K. Yep, mm-hmm. got his autograph and saw him, and I'm like, man, this guy's good. Saw him playing at Class A, and less than a year later, he's up to Triple A in the the bigs. I actually called uh, his Legion State Championship games. Did you really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I believe. Where were we? Oh, we were at uh, CHS Field. There you go. That's awesome. How about that? That's awesome. Very Pretty cool. Amazing. Uh, okay, so that takes care of the twins. Yep. I think we, we walk away saying we don't know what's going on with the bullpen. A little bit. I mean, there's some good arms there, but they certainly could add a couple. I, I hope, I definitely uh, hope they re-sign Fulmer. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that would go a long I way like him. to bridging some of those. He's a yeah. pro, man. He's a pro. You can high leverage him at any time. Well, and another one to highlight back, I'm just looking at the projected roster here. Jorge Alcala missed almost all of last yep. season. If he's healthy and back, that could be a big one too. So you might only be one or two pieces away in the bullpen, and Fulmer, I think, could be that. And you got a real closer too. Just treat him like it. <laughs> one inning closes. I trust I hear your you. other guys. I hear you. Keep the Lopez keep the, in the eighth is totally fine. Lopez Hopefully he bounces up. back. Durant, yep. Yep. And then you're great. And then you've got Thielbar. Thielbar, you the got guys, Jax. Six, seven. You know, please get your starters through six, and then we can win a lot of baseball games yeah, in this market. Yeah, it's sure looking like it. Okay, so we solved all the problems, didn't we? We did. That's right. Breaking news as it happens right here. Uh, it, Matt Harrington with that fancy no, Apple Watch. <laughs> no it's great. He went straight to it. I thought he was like underdog for the old school. <laughs> so he's going to pull out the pill. I, I was thinking it would break as soon as we get off the air. Okay, you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't, so here we are. Yep. Okay, moving along. Um, do we do we even need to talk about the Wild, or do we just let no. that go? Let it go. Playing well, tough really loss changed. in Carolina. Yeah. You know what? So, suddenly, though, whether at twenty five, fourteen, and whatever, I mean, they're well over five hundred. They're they're locked into that third spot. They're just a few games out of first. If they keep going, uh, it's going to be interesting what happens with Matt Dumba. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly he's healthy, scratched. He's good as gone. Um, yeah, um, but but where and for what? That, that's I, I, yeah. I, honestly, I'd move him for picks. Probably, I mean, I'd say that's likely. You, you you you've got a lot of good pieces down in Iowa that could fit in. Or you're, you've got guys, you you know. Um, oh, I mean, uh, what you, about Brock Faber? Could you take him off the Gophers no, at the end you, of the year? I, and... I would take the six seven Schuster. Yeah. I mean, he played with the experience. Lightning. He's got a lot of Stanley Cup playoff experience, and you, I I, would, I I love the size. We need that back there. He's a pro um, mm-hmm. for sure. Andre, bring him up. Uh, that's an easy one. Well, I, that I, gets Golly a little more ice yeah. time. I think to hit on the or Wild, goose, too. Goose, as we like to call him. <laughs> golly Goose. Yeah. I think to hit on the Wild, too, what's what's encouraging for me as you look into the long term, too, you know, what Billy G's doing, you obviously just got the Matt Bull, the extension for seven, seven years, seven million. I think by the time that the, some of those cap hits come off the book with the, the Parisian suitor buyouts, you're starting to see what Billy G's building. I mean, the Fiala trade, I know it was a tough one, but you look down the road a couple of years, both Ogre and Ann Faber could be here and could be studs on rookie deals. So I think once the shackles are let loose on those uh, buyout penalties, we could have a pretty good squad here in a couple of years. Well, and and he, Wallstead is progressing faster than expected, than yes. some expected. Well, and then, you know, I, I don't even, you know, it's funny, I had this conversation. Was it with you? I don't know. We're talking about Gustafson. Yeah, and, yep, yep. Yeah, and then, and then, and then Jesper. Yeah. And Jesper. it, it kind of came down to they're the two goalies. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Gustafson's, I mean, he has been all world, like 
th- that guy's been impressive. I've, I, I've been like, wow, look at this guy. I thought he I, to what a find for, to me for Cam a, Talbot. Well, when he came, an incredible trade out. He's proving to be better. And uh, when he came in, I looked at his numbers. I'd never really watched him. And I'm like, okay, this guy's a journeyman backup. Let's see what he's about. First couple of games was in that stretch when we went nuts in October when we started this program or whatever it was. Now look at him. I mean, it's he's just unbeatable. Um, to me, he looks like our number one. Honestly. Yeah. Well, he's hitting that, that right age. I just you know pulled it up. 25, he's 24, 24 going to yeah. be 25 this summer. Just hitting that right age at the right time, and yeah, it's it's of, looking like a just an absolute steal right now for the Wild. Ton of minutes in there. Okay, so we had a sacking. I loved your use of that word in the chat. A did sacking. You? Yeah, we did. It was a sacking. Ed Donatel. Yeah, I feel bad for him, but nobody wants to see anybody get sacked. But it is it's a business. He gave yeah. He, he didn't well, get his enough. defense didn't sack the quarterback. Yeah, he didn't enough, get so. that, that, I was gonna bring that up. I was gonna say that's kind of ironic, isn't it? Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, you, you do you do look at it and you say, man, you know, the idea of of the defense that they wanted to run here, um, it just it didn't it didn't go. And those big 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 plays of 25, 30, 40 yards, and and you know, to me, the two linebackers system clearly didn't work with five down linemen that that wasn't working yeah i mean i think i saw the stat 20 plays of of 10 yards or more against the giants that is just absolutely unacceptable you're not gonna win no never you're not i mean you know what the offense has not been the problem with that team nope well and we said that at the beginning of the year we Mm -hmm. said we think this offense is going to be great what can the defense give you and unfortunately that was some good foreshadowing but i think it's time to to really hit the reset button on that defense there's a lot of aging veterans there's going to be some tough decisions to come, but I, I think you're in for a major personnel change in the offseason, too. What's amazing is when you look at the number of players they drafted to slide in and to actually get meaningful minutes in these games and reps with the first team were hurt. Yeah, seeing, obviously. Booth. Yep, Booth. Um, you, you go through the whole list, and it's like, God, they didn't get to use those guys at all. Um, and does that change coverage? Does that change how this whole thing works? Because that's what they drafted for. Right. So now the question is, they drafted for that. Now do they fill pieces that they need to replace with that? Uh, what do they do with guys like uh, uh, Cook? Thielen is as good as gone from what it sounds like. Didn't Cook his... should be as well. $14 million guaranteed. You can't do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it Unless worth it? Unless he restructures. I mean, it's, but... it's, it's, a, it's a lot of yards. Yeah. But do you have the ball to— Go uh, get a running back that, in the that, second, third round. Do you have the ball to two? Maybe. And get, get a compliment. In, I, in the draft, I think I think you know two has proven that if he gets some legitimate reps, uh, he's not much different. He's I, I kind agree. of the same. I you mean, get, you you might want to draft a back who's a little bit more capable in the pass game, but maybe Madison could be that guy. I've given the chance. It's hard to say. You might have him right here. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, so he he's actually a very good backup in my opinion. Uh, okay, so that's them. The uh, the Wolves are who they are. Man, they're just a 500 team in a 500 conference. Yeah. Like, like, like they're, they're. I know. They, they keep losing it more, and then they kind of win, and they get a game under, and they're, they keep moving up the standings. It's incredible. It's crazy. If you win one out of four, you move up <laughs> yeah. in the West. Well, the, have you noticed? Yes, I have. It's, it's really what is going on. The, the implications there was, it was kind of a, an interesting one on MLK Day. They hosted the Utah Jazz, who, of course, they swung this massive trade within the offseason only to watch their draft pick Walker Kessler put up a 20 point 20 rebound I game. I still don't understand and that. That trade. trade is going to be a cataclysmic 
disaster. The, the Auburn the, product. I mean, they could have. They, they keep Kessler, let it ride. I mean, they. Oh well, boy. So then it, you come to this and you, you it's say. Rough. You say, were you trying to come in and make your stamp on this team that loud? Um, I think when you looked at this this team, well, when you wait, look at how the Nuggets were built. Yep. What are they? Around Jokic. Right. Yep. And what 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 is? Yeah, Rudy? but does anybody think Rudy Gobert? I mean, he's not Jokic in any way. His skill sets are totally different. But he's it's around a big. Yeah. And the but big, we ha- I mean, I know Carl but, Anthony but the, Towns. But the big is, you had is a shooter. For sure. And a perimeter his, player. His skill sets closer to Jokic than Gobert. I know, but is. I think that's. I don't think it was respected that way. I'm just trying to. I'm no, trying to I, rationalize, right? I'm trying to figure it out. I know. You know, like. Yeah. In the meantime, you're hemorrhaging four or five first round picks in the next half dozen years. It's, right. Right. And then, I mean but, it. But then you're, they're 500 this year. But what's it going to look like in three or four years? They have no assets left to just, deal. They're just lucky. The whole West is 500 because if they if they go on like a five game winning streak, they they could be first the third place, place. Or, yeah. first in the division. <laughs> yeah. Third place. I yeah. Mean, I like know. seriously. It's incredible. So that's a fascinating point. Uh, do we have anything else? I think we're good. Pretty, pretty this has been the out. longest overtime podcast oh, we've ever done. Two hours. It's meaty. It is. Well, you know what? We have a lot to make up for. We did. I enjoyed it, boys. Yeah, it was I good. I did as well. All right. Glenn Gray, thanks a lot for hanging with us. <laughs> is, yeah. is he awake back there? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. Getting the thumbs up. All right. Matt Harrington, Brandon Spratt. For Glenn Gray, I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody.